G'day punters, welcome to the deep dive. Pete Anthemus alongside Shane Curlio, Jackson Oldham and Rob Scurry here to talk about everything that happened at the races over the weekend. We had Group 1 racing at Randwick, including the victory of Animo. We'll go deep dive that with the help of punting form to see how good the victory was, if it was any good. We've also got to look at the Valley and also Doomburn. But before we start, we have to reflect on the complete pandemonium that was occurring at the MCG yesterday. Carlton becoming the first side to be 8-2 and two and fail to make the finals. Carlton, the first team to be in the top eight for the entire season, only to not make the finals. Carlton, the team that was $1.10 or $1.10 with about five minutes left. They probably even traded a touch shorter than that. Curls, I think you were backing Collingwood throughout the run because, let's face it, Carlton are doing Carlton things. Yeah, I did. Pistol, I averaged $8. Um, I think it was late in the third term when um, I started. And then, you know, Carlton had like that period at the start of the final quarter where it should have been shut the gate and they missed um, a few goals. And I think it was around about that time as well. Um which is a big thing. I don't know. I've, I don't have any statistical analysis to back this up, but it's more of a feeling that, yeah. you know, when it's a close enough game and a team has opportunities and they squander them, the other side just seems to go down the other end and score. Yeah. But I don't have any data to back that up. But. The old two-goal turnaround. And let's face it, Collingwood has been pretty relentless in last quarters throughout this year. You know, they won 11 on the, on the trot. Yeah. I was actually surprised that, you know, coming into the round, the fact that it was almost picking between the two teams, given that Collingwood's coming off an away loss and 11 previous straight wins and Carlton fell across the line against Melbourne, but prior to that hadn't really been setting on the, the world on fire. And uh, by fell across the line, I mean they lost against Melbourne. <laughs> well, they won't but, be the last team to lose against Melbourne this year. No, probably not. Probably not. I'm not sure who the biggest loser of the week, though, was. Would you say it was Carlton or Essendon? Oh, I don't know. I think Essendon have been a rabble for a while. So it's, I think Carlton, yeah, I, although, you know, if they had have made the eight, they had would have had to go to Freo probably and and lose anyway. But I think they're in they're in good shape, Carlton. They'll be okay next year. They'll be there. They'll be thereabouts. Well, if if our Carlton are doing Carlton stuff, then Essendon are just doing just proper Essendon things, really. Oh, yes, completely on brand. Complete schmuzzle. Um, Rob Scurry, you've always had a lot of time for the dogs. They've slidden to the eight at the last second. They do have to travel to Perth. Do you have any confidence in them going forward into the finals? I think just they're just they're just the team who just squanders too many opportunities when they've got the ball. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm a victim. I'll probably have a bet on them if they start underdogs, won't they? Yeah, I would have thought so. I would have thought so. And I'm not exactly sure Frio's in peak form at the moment. Exactly. Exactly. Well, the dogs have got a whole bunch of midfielders. They've got some exciting forwards. Hugo Hagen's looking better every week, um, which might take a bit of pressure off Norton. So I think the dogs are dangerous. Hopefully it stops raining in Perth. I think it's meant to be pretty fine for most of this week, but um, I think the dogs would appreciate a slick deck there at Perth Stadium in fortnight's time. Look, that wasn't the only thing that happened in the last 24 hours. We also saw very elegant European debut. Um, did anyone actually bother to watch it? No. No. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Well, the result wasn't flattering. Does anyone have an opinion on it? Curls, I'm looking in basically your direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. There's, depends which angle you want to take here. Um, Chris knew. 
Chris knew that. Um, Chris didn't know. Chris mm. knew. Um, simple as that. Uncle Chris knew. Uh, uh, look, there'll be some support on social media about it, sectional times and the, ra- the way the race was won, it couldn't win and et cetera. Um, I don't know. It, she's not. She's past her best. We, I think we discussed her being past her best in Australia before she won a. She ran a world record in the Melbourne Cup <laughs> on a third deck, and and then the narrative about her wanting, you know, soft yielding ground in the UK or in Europe, and how she'd be suited and uh, whatever. Like, I don't know, Peter. They're just a commodity to me. Oh, <laughs> okay. like, on knocking champions, curls. Well, champion horse. Look, look at that. Can't you remember the Melbourne Cup? Yeah. Day Max, the Euphoria. What a moment. Yep. Where were you? Yep. I was betting at Gatton, <laughs> worried about the next race. Um, I don't know. Like, it's, you know, it's, if she, if you, I would like to see, you would have liked to see her, you know, go over there in her peak, not when she's a nine year old mare, whatever she is now. She's a champion Australian horse, no doubt these fine specimens that we had running around at Mooney Valley, Jackson. Um, look, the highlight obviously was Bella Nipotina track itself, the downgrade to the heavy eight before the meeting ticked a lot of boxes from that point of view, but extremely lucky. I thought didn't lose any admirers. I think it's probably fair to say that the horse probably won't appreciate heavy conditions as much as a firmer track, but I thought it was still impressive enough going through the line. Yeah, the heavy track just probably took away a little bit of um, its acceleration and I don't think uh, it loved the valley either. Kind of like, yeah. like, like like Jamie Carr's the most balanced of any of anybody and she looked like a little bit unbalanced coming around the turn. So I think onto a bigger track. I wasn't going to bet into the race and then Bella Nipotina came into the yard fat and wooly and shit. And getting extremely lucky, just paraded outstanding, and it was three dollars. I thought this is probably a good enough price to find out, and in hindsight, that was a mistake. Yeah, I, I, I actually agree with your, your thinking here. It was one of those races where you could make a case for either of them. The market obviously sided with Bella Nipotina with the heavy heavy stats, and look mm-hmm. has um, performed well once first up. I hadn't had the I didn't actually bother doing on any of the trials or jump outs because I couldn't be stuffed. To be honest, I wasn't going to bet into the race once the once the weather came. But um, I trialed really well. Yeah, Palinipatina trialed. Yeah, yeah trialed really well. And look, she'll probably get a crack at like a group, another crack at a group one race. I'm guessing coming up, and she might very well find a cheap one at the Valley. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine so. Uh, does Rock and Horse getting home almost as well as extremely lucky? maybe put a little question mark on on him? Um, I think just similar to what you said previously, I think it's probably more a case of the, the conditions there, both in terms of the track configuration and yep. also the, the weather is probably just not going to be his his yeah. go. But yeah. I think there's also going to be a question mark, you know, how he's how is he going to perform at Randwick, so to speak, and, and a few other tracks. So he does yep. seem like he is a very – still a very new horse and still doing quite a bit wrong in, in terms of what he's doing um, during the race, but he's still got that ability to actually overcome it. Uh, Curls, we've obviously been talking about extremely lucky. So it feels like you know, six, seven months or so. Do you have an opinion on what he did on Saturday? Well, I sort of said pre-race, I think I said to maybe you or maybe one of the part owners, why are you on the Moody Valley? 
I think it was probably more a fact-finding mission as to whether or not they could then go again in the Moya coming up over yeah. a 1,000. But mm, I don't know. It's hard to know. I mean, obviously the obviously they've, you know, it's a slowly run race and they've dashed home the last 600 and I don't know what else it can do. I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. It just depend the whole you, – you easily – see Mel Bella Nipotina winning more races in the spring. Um, but, and you could look back and say, oh, there's a bit of form coming out of this race, but I don't, I don't know. Like, it's just a nothing sort of race, I thought. It's a nothing sort of race. And overall, looking at the data, it's a very nothing kind of meeting. There's either very slowly run races or fast run races. The fast run races obviously produce some of the the bigger figures on the card. I mean, Bella Nipotina was the biggest figure on the entire day and that was a slowly run race. But there was a real sort of dearth of uh, class on show, I would say. Jackson, is that fair? Yeah, which is which is pretty uh, – like this meeting doesn't doesn't sort of produce a lot moving forward. It's it's in between the PB, Lawrence and the Memsey. It's sort of, you know, it's the last, the last meeting of winter sort of thing. So I'd imagine a lot of these horses will be going back to – Benchmark grade, benchmark grade. Um, in the midweeks, um, yeah, there's not a lot of form that I'd be taken out of this meeting through the spring. Okay, uh, going back on a review, was there anything that really stood out in terms of video or trial? Uh, sorry, video watching or even out coming out of the yard that you're happy to follow next start? Um, that's a good question. You can say no, it's okay. Yeah, not really. Um, the Lindsay Smith horse in the last uh, Sacred Palace. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was sort of the only horse back and wide to make real ground all day. But that is also kind of just him as well. But if he gets to sort of another eighty-four, um, where you can be wide and swooping, he'll be he'll be in the game. Maybe off him and off. But yeah, it's a it's a pretty bad meeting. Yeah, fastest last 200 there on the card for Sacred Palace, uh, 11th fastest last four. So good little acceleration through the line. Okay, let's go to Sydney because that's probably where most of the attention would be for a number of punters. In terms of the track, it was very difficult to settle on speed and dictate. That was mostly due to the rail, rails and run. I've got it's about one to one and a half length disadvantage on the card. Uh, and then obviously in the straight, they were veering out and towards those middle to wider lanes Rob, if we start with the Wink Stakes, the victor was Animo. He's an interesting horse to go through in terms of his history on the punting form data, but I want to start in terms of how he paraded, how some of these other Group 1 horses paraded. Uh, Animo's grown. Um, he impressed me. Um, he did get a bit hot late in the parade, but uh, nothing like his antics uh, in the previous campaign uh, when he was trying to kick the clock at Rose Hill and just being <laughs> a, a, an absolute little – it was a terror. Uh, but, yeah, he, he, he's grown uh, – he's got an amazingly thick neck um, and a beautiful head. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's a very intelligent horse. He's now a very valuable horse. So, you know, well done, Sheik. And, and James obviously is a very deep, deep love for, for the quality of this animal. Full credit, full credit, obviously. Um, what's, your, what's your line? What's your over-under line for what his uh, service fee is at study? He obviously won't sell for anything, but uh, are you putting him into the, the top echelon 100. of stallions? Yeah. Well, yeah, look, I, I just want to see where he finishes up at this campaign because – how he paraded it, um, you know, in the Rosewood Guineas before that, and and he's, he's he's just got 
you know, he's got a lot of growing into himself still as a four-year-old. He's just still just coming to not know what who he is. And, you know, he'll probably eventually know that, you know, his days on the track are numbered. That's how smart he is. Okay. Well, look, in the beaten brigade, you had Fangirl second for Fondo, who was three wide, no cover the entire third. It's a very slow tempo race. None of these horses have broken the class benchmark. What did you think of the beaten brigade, Rob? I had a bet on Profondo. Um, yes, you did. Going for, uh, going for 20-odd units. Um, I thought Fangirl could only run well the way she paraded. Yep. She's been one of mine. Uh, we backed her in the in the binary stakes, whatever it is, at Newcastle. And, um, yeah, she's she's I'm forward for, for an uncle horse, I've got to say. Um, I've mean, forgotten love. She's parading well. I don't know. She's just, just bloody well forget about it. I was yep. late, on, late on her anyway. Um what 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 else you got there? The the two was was a long way off, and you know what's annoying about this race was how slowly runner was. Like I had Stockman pushing up, pushing Profondo three wide. Um, these slowly run races are gonna, you know, skew the data that I rely on. Um, so anyway, yeah, um, and that well, that was almost the theme of the meeting, though. Unfortunately, the, there was uh, I know, which is race... just a total, total grey up for me. Yeah. The service, uh, you know, if I'm relying on on, on the data as, as like a part of the process, um, which has been working very well, so you know, oh, it kept me up at night. I fired up a three thirty tweet because um, I was <laughs> lying in bed for for hours, um, just thinking about my my disgusting performance on Saturday. Okay, we'll get, we'll touch on that in just a moment before we leave the wing stakes, Curls. I'll bring you in for a second because Animo featured a lot last autumn and a lot last spring and one jay dickens who formerly was part of the uh part of the service was spoken the fact that the horse is the best in the country and i think he still is yeah now, looking at his overall data i'm trying to work out where it fits in has the horse improved from a data data point of view i would say he has yeah, and the main reason i think that is the splits going home i'm yeah. trying to look at comparable races off the slow tempo the 400 to the 200 split to me says that he was able to put these horses away with that extra bit of acceleration, which seemed at times to be lacking last prep over the similar tempo events. So I think it's pretty promising, but I would note that the horse has been a little bit mixed in his consistency in terms of beating fields over the last couple of preps. Yeah, I suppose you can look at, say, the... Um uh, what do you call that time of year? The autumn in Sydney when, you know, they're all heavy nine, heavy ten tracks. So, like, give me a spell. Yeah. Go and have a look at its prep before, obviously, um, culminating in that Cox Plate win. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks, Dale. Uh, looking at what, all what I'm saying is I'm agreeing with you here. It's very ominous, uh, those, that four to the two split and the two to the to home, it's a big, big figure. Um, now I don't know who was more who was more emotional, Jack Dickens when the horse didn't win the Cox Plate, or James Cummings in his post-race interview on Saturday, um, fighting back tears, both of them, um, in their respective um, post-race analysis. But James genuinely believes he has the best horse in like in the country with his horse. Best and most valuable. And what he did first up suggests to me that, like, 
Look, it's going to be like he's obviously going to have a bigger goal and the wing stakes first up. And what, and what he did on the clock off that tempo, I think it's um, a pretty ominous sign for what's to come. And to uh, 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 to do that sort of having to go back up the inside as well to yeah. run those closing splits, I thought was even more impressive. Okay, I'm sure um, you know. I'm sure the Waller Phillies will take it in turns. I thought Hinged was sort of. Maybe lost its spot a little bit, but it found the line well. It looked like it was fangirls go yet Saturday, um, where it might be Hinge's turn next start. So those Waller mares will, you know, will win a Group One somewhere or go close to. And um, Profondo was enormous, I thought as well, and out yeah. the yard. Oh. What what kind of good bet was that? It was a huge effort. Yeah, huge. it's. Uh, Ominous. The way it got up the rise, it, it, I was a little bit giddy at the three hundred, despite it being three wide. But I was giddy. You know, I was I was I was out of form on Saturday. Um, had a shocking week. Um, but we're gonna bounce back. Okay, Rob. Before we leave yourself, though, like, mm. what was the what was the the bit that real just really just drew, drew the or drove the knife in that night when you're lying there in bed? Like, what was the biggest regret? Well, for the service, I I, I rarely use the word panther. And um, I, I use that word to describe a WA horse, and and you just you said yeah, at very athletic called showmanship, uh, and you know whenever I use that word for the service, it's usually three and a half unit bet. Um, I thought up the you know, Jamie. I think I was just going off a dirt Jamie loss, but yeah, it it, it killed me. And um, Pizarro improved, described it as perfect, and um, and didn't back it. So. Uh, Rachel King, kind of knowing deep in my bones that Zapata, whatever it calls, Zapateo, yep. Mark Sheen's best bet. Shout out Mark Sheen. Um, <laughs> they win every week. Um, she was just going to get in the right spot and and not backing it just because I was being stubborn, you know, about Rachel King because she just she just cost me so much. But I kind of half knew it was going to win and fuck, did not back it. Anyway, are there things that stand yeah, they're, they're things that stand out in my mind at, at three a.m. on a Sunday morning. I'll put it this way. There was two horses that won from barrier one there on Saturday. One was Animo. The other was Showmanship. And, uh, I mean, look, Showmanship was given a, a peach of a ride from J-Mac, given that he was drawn to sit in the inferior. It is still a little bit of an unknown uh, how well or what the ceiling of the horse will be, given he's had a few injury setbacks and it's a very slow tempo race. I mean, this meeting's really difficult to go through because everything is basically, for the most part, slowly run. So there's going to be impressive splits wherever you look and it's about yeah. finding the right setup next start. But I'm pretty sure Uncle Bob would have been very happy with the fact that uh, he was able to get a win on the board for Danny O'Brien there. Yeah. Hodgy. Podgy, I'd describe it. A podgy panther. Podgy plenty panther. Of, yeah, plenty of improvement. I think, I think you know, I hear, Jacko, you always talk about Danny O'Brien horses being a bit, looking a little bit underdone maybe? Yeah, yeah. I've, they're very rarely really screwed down. Yeah, well, this, yeah, that's exactly what this was and it was drawing barrier one on the inside. So yep. um, good old Saturday horse, prime candidate, um, might might feature in this my, my uh Content this week, he's just a bloody good Saturday horse, and there he was with the low weight, um, trying his bloody guts out. What a bloody Aussie battler. Prime candidate, good one to find from the yard. You find him from the yard every week. Prime candidate, good horse. Bye for now. Okay. Um, that is Randwick. Let's head up to Doombin Curls. How did you see the day overall? The best figure was Swanston, winner of race seven on punning form starter. How did you see it? Oh, it was a very frustrating day, Peter. Um I shared Rob's um, 
frustration. There's a couple of bets I should have had that, that I didn't because um, I had the shits and I'm just really struggling to map some of these some of these races. And uh, there's a few jocks that I wouldn't normally back that I found on horses that um, I could have been on. So that was a little bit frustrating. Um, uh, Tegan Harrison rode three winners, I think, on the card and got knocked off a short price, uh, a short margin in the last from memory. Um, Sir Rocket was the interesting one for me. Like I was on it last start and uh, Taylor Marshall rode it and I thought he murdered it, tweeted, tweeted as such, which is standard <laughs> behaviour for me. And then, <laughs> and then only to have uh, revered Sky Channel host uh, Michael Maxworthy spray me on Twitter um, saying that my tweet was out of line and um, not necessary. Um, so I can assure you when t- uh, when um, I, I didn't back it, and I should have, um, Tegan Harrison r- rode it almost identically in the run to how Taylor rode it, except Tegan pulled out on it and won on it. Um, I, I took some great pleasure in tweeting Michael Maxworthy after the race and said, maybe Tegan learned something from Taylor. Did you get a response? No, nah, not yet. Um, anyway. Notifications turned on? I'm uh, probably going to have a bit of a spell from Twitter this week. I went fucking mad on the weekend. Uh, <laughs> what else is uh, Twitter for? <laughs> well, it's that event. Uh, so that was one that one that got away. Um, uh, I probably should have been on that, actually. Bonaparte was another one that I considered backing but wasn't sure. And then, you, yeah, like you say, some of those figures, like that Swanston race went out minus eight. Um, so, you know, it helps to record the biggest figure of the day. And Yeah. Like, 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 how's it fucking me? Honestly, um, one of those sort of days, a bit, bit frustrating. Um, uh, couple of Darylina Bell, I thought was a bit stiff. Matthew Smith horse that started favourite, we we're on it. So yeah, just frustrating. We we're on May Villa Ruler in that race. That's <laughs> once to one, the biggest figure of the day, and he's ran the you know the fourth fastest, eight to the six, six to the four, four to the two and the second fastest last hundred of the race and it still somehow misses a place and we're on it at like, you know, 13 and 380 or something each way for the service. So just a frustrating day around. Um, and then I had three bets at Toowoomba for three winners. I was um, going to say, I'm hearing a lot of complaining and yet are you going to touch on the fact that you had three from three, a nice little treble there at Toowoomba? Yeah, three from three at Toowoomba and sort of like three-quarter bet all of them and then they've all been off the map. Um, so I'm not going to – I couldn't go again. Um, and they've all got the job done. So it was a winning day, but it was just a frustrating one because it should have been a lot fatter probably. Uh, but. You, you know what else is frustrating for me, Because I, I followed you in at Doomburn, and I forgot to put on the Toowoomba bet, so I thought I'll let him, let him go. And then I, I see the only bloody horse I didn't know was running, buddy Brown Thomas is one up there, which is one of mine for on a Wednesday. Badger gameness in the eye, that horse. Lovely, lovely horse. Yeah, Brown Thomas, yeah. That oh, was just filthy. You know, how am I not on this? Anyway, both of them. How was I not on it? I don't know why I wasn't on it. There'd be a reason. Oh, yeah, I was on the third horse, the Waller, the Waller horse. Um, oh. It was ended up like buried the fence and taking inside runs and running third. So, Done. yeah, winning day, winning day Saturday, winning set, but um, just like completely frustrating and just a small loss for the week, which is – you know, getting beat at Bow Desert on a horse that you that trialed super and showed really good gate speed in the trial and sat second, and we're taking nine dollars about it at Bow Desert, and it's 
settles last, two lengths off the second last horse and runs second, shit like that all week, which is frustrating. Speaking of frustrating, I had uh, a win and place multi for the captain's picks. The win multi was $308, place multi was $9. The horses were Mike Khalifa at Murray Bridge, which was, um, can't remember what his name is, handy rider, handy jock. Uh, Lockie Nindorf off for Carlene, who got lost on the horse in the first half of the race, loomed to win and then stopped in the last probably 50 metres. Still ran third for the place multi. Scorched Land, which was $7 out to eight fifty or something, and at Randwick and won Zapatero, which won. And the Presenium Arch, which did everything wrong and still only got – somehow only got beaten, what, a long neck? That was absurd. But like how it, – it, like it, it should have won, shouldn't it? Yeah. That was amazing to watch that race. It was it looked, bizarre. It looked completely gone at the 600. Um, I, I was laying – I was laying heavy, and yeah. I looked back up um, – Look back up as they went past me in 150 and went, oh, this could be this could be bad. Yeah, it, it did also look like Blake Shin's first ride back in Australia. It was very heavy on the left hand and it's mm. obviously going the opposite way to Hong Kong. But the worst part about all of this is when I'm doing the, the captain's picks on a Thursday, I'll start to build a short list of horses that I'm interested in. And obviously you've got scratchings and so forth. My two emergencies, the two on the bench were Al Safina at Belmont, which was look. I don't know who it was who backed it a minute and a half before final scratchings at eight o'clock in the morning, but triggered it from going from $4 into $3.10, gradually came back out to three forty, about to send it for the service with five minutes left and it goes about three sixty into two ninety in the space of 90 seconds. That was great. Anyway, that was on the bench along with the winner at race one at Toowoomba Curls, uh, Piccanini. Mm. You know, the $308 multi could well have lobbed there and for 0.25 of the unit, that would have been basically set up shop, pull up stumps, I'm done. Catch you later, everyone. See you, uh, see you in the funny pages. Oh, no, but just all that means is we have to bet again this week. It does. Nothing better than winning and whinging, um, which we've been doing well over the winter months and we're finally coming back in towards spring. There's a little bit of sunshine around in old Melbourne town. It's starting to look a little bit more appropriate. The good horses are slowly coming back and we've got a big week ahead because Jackson, the Memsey is on. We'll have more than likely I could do better backing up as well for its second run for us, but the Memsey is going to be the highlight. What else have you got this week? It looks a hot uh, – I'm, I'm looking forward. It looks a hot Memsey and the undercard from the likely fields look really, really good. The week itself is less inspiring. This is pretty much the last – sort of bad week. Um, yep. we got Pappen and Polly, Heavy 10, Warnable, Lakeside Wednesday, so be betting there. Bendigo on another Bog Thursday and Pappen and Polly again Friday. So an, another sort of pretty light week for the for sort of the country provincials. But uh, looking at next week, it looks like it's looks like there's a few good meetings and it's going to start to hot up. So looking forward to it. All right, beautiful. Rob, you've got a couple of group threes in the Sam Domenico and the up-and-coming stakes. Why isn't the up and coming on bloody Warwick Stakes Day? Why do they move that? Can I, yeah, it's it's your part of the world, mate. Like we've we've got no control. Uh, they're, they're driving me nuts. The bloody eight Peter and the ATZ. But I, I was thinking about it. It was a beautiful day, Centennial Park. The missus and the kids and the next door. I was thinking, you know, they could come over for the last race. I see one of the old, old you know, the, one of the supervisor kind of with with the. Um, security, I'm like, oh, do you reckon, you know, my missus and the three kids could come in? She goes, like, gate tickets close at 3.30. I'm like, oh, but, you know, 
should you come in? She just looks at me and just goes, no, not coming in. I was completely staggered when you told me this. I mean, in all honesty, you're trying to get people through the gates on a non, like, I don't care if there's a group one race. That is not a feature meeting at Randwick. Like, let's be real. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a light on meeting. There's not too many drunks around. I was just going to hang around the, the back, but, you know, nowhere near the people. We're going to look at a few horses and we're going to be out of there in 40 minutes. But nah, 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 nah. Why, nah. why aren't the gates open for the last two races? Like what, you're going to offend uh, people the, who have been there nah, all day? It's, it's all about the party, you know. Like they've got people too pissed and if, if you leave the venue, you're not coming back. So so they're, mm. they're just sticking to that policy. They're sticking to the policy of wearing uh, masks outside as well, the ATC people uh, who look like they've never had a bet in their life, a bunch of kind of older women who sort of, you know, run the day-to-day of the, the racing, but that seems to be a, a policy of the people employed. Um Masks outside for you know good good old boys. It feels like a real fun time venue up there in Sydney. Sometimes. Yeah, and it, it's it's oh. menacing. And then you have got these big security guards just just looking to throw people out the door and get and pick pick, pick fights. Um, I'll have a little complain then. Uh, Caulfield, after I could do better in the last, I went to put all my uh, laptop and all that away in the car and then come back in with you guys, um, with the guys on track and. Um, Oh mate, was wasn't gonna let me back on course. I'm like, mate, I've just gone to the car to put my laptop away, and he and it was like a five minute argument before he let me back in. Well, at least you got back in, Jackson, because in Sydney you wouldn't have got back in. Well, right. you know, you'd be in a bloody headlock. Anyone see PVL's announcement of the NRL Grand Final where it was going to be held, and he uh, did a little zinger by saying it was going to be Melbourne straight off the bat. Well, I mean, honestly, that's honestly. yeah. Uh, Amazing, Mark. Mark Sheen tweeted it. It was. He's, it was. It was it. He's not very good at picking picking lanes. Sometimes is he? He's very good. He has, a, he has a bloody good. He has a bloody crack, and that's what Pete. You know, that's what he does, Pete. Oh, you know, comedy. I'll give that a fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, that was a good tangent. We all went on, uh, but it was worth having. Curls, Queensland. What's happening, mate? There's lots going on in Queensland this week. Um, uh, Wednesday, the midweek metropolitan meetings at Ipswich. So day off. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thursday's Dolby, so yeah. that'll be nice. Friday, there's like a pseudo midweek metro meeting at the Gold Coast, but it also but the card consists of the one hundred fifty thousand dollar gold market and the one hundred twenty five thousand dollar Gold Coast Cup, which are two races randomly injected on a Friday card there at the coast, Good. Um, which is nice. And then Saturday we have <coughs> Batuta, Bluff, Cairns, Eagle Farm, Kilcoy, Mount Isa, Toowoomba, Tower Hill and Warra. Um, I'll only bet at three of those meetings, though, Peter. That'll be Eagle Farm, Kilcoy and Toowoomba. Okay. So just okay. the six meetings for the full Curly subscribers this week. All right, and then in Perth, there's Belmont, Northern and Belmont. Luckily, the track is slowly drying out, so, you know, I only had to deal with the three or four weeks of heavy tracks, so I don't know how Rob did it for the best part of five and a half months. But uh, anyway. I'm, I'm already complaining down here. We've had three weeks of heavy tracks and I'm already over it. Yeah, I know. It's the best part. If you can't complain, what can you do? But, uh, no, I feel like I'm slowly getting back on board. I feel like I've gone from seeing them like amoebas to seeing them like globes, so... Um, Probably just offended every anti-vaxxer flat earther in that one sentence. So um, apologies, to, <laughs> apologies to those guys listening to the show. But anyway, we're all back on track. 
the gears are ticking over, the wheels are in motion, we're winning. Join in if you want. If not, can't help you.